in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's riding on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. By the way, I had a question on the text line. Does a Houston win over Jacksonville hurt their number one draft pick? It would give the Bears full control of the number one draft pick because they are only a half game behind or ahead. Whatever. They're a half game ahead of Chicago for the number one pick. So if they were to win and Chicago lost their last two, the Bears would jump up and take the number one pick. What would they demand for that pick because of the quarterbacks? Like, let's say the Raiders lose their last two and they want they fall in love with Bryce Young or someone like that or you know CJ Stroud and they say this is the guy he's the guy we're going to get and we want I wonder what the Bears who probably aren't drafting a quarterback would want for that pick three, Bears would be interesting I would guess if it's the Bears uh depending on how high you say three of them it depends on how high they are if the Raiders came in with uh like seven overall and uh, they'll say they trade Carr for a first round pick but it's like 15 then maybe they want a third one. But I guess if you offered them two top 10 picks, they're taking that for it yeah. for sure. But yeah, if it's the Bears, that would be interesting because they are Someone would presumably probably try fields. if who really need yeah. a quarterback if they want one of those guys. But next level, if you're Jacksonville here, <laughs> lose on purpose to Houston. That way the Houston Texans don't get the number one overall pick. Sink, the, sink your divisional opponent a little bit. Make them yeah. draft second. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. I can't wait for the coaches to yell at each other. Yeah, they might get like CJ Stroud instead of Bryce Young or something, but that would be a little sabotage of the other team's pick by losing on purpose. Those are great. That's that's another great question. Arkansas beat Kansas 55-53 in triple overtime. They got to the two-point shootout portion of overtime. Kansas was down 38 to 13 and came back to force overtime before ultimately losing. Well, we know why this happened. It's a good thing Barry Odom's not coaching that defense anymore. I was going to say, we know why this happened. Barry Odom is no longer coaching the defense. Uh, do you remember when they hired Marcus Arroyo and Arroyo still coached the Rose Bowl? Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> it's still was that against the, Wisconsin? Uh, yes, and they won the game. It's still got to be one of the dumbest things I think I've seen where it's like, yeah, I took the job. Um, I'm still going to coach the Rose Bowl, guys. Yeah. You think I'm not? I'm not coming to Las Vegas yet. I got to do the Rose Bowl here soon. Very stupid. So good job on Barry Odom for not coaching the what was that? The Independence Bowl yesterday. Good job. No, it was the Liberty Bowl. It's the one in Memphis. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty detailed question. Uh... Russell Wilson says he was devastated by the Nathaniel Hackett firing. "Quote: I wish I could have played better for him." Okay. I'm sure he does. He played, he stunk. How, sure he, I mean, I'm sure he does wish he played better for him. How much do you think Russell Wilson actually like, like, does he stand in front of the mirror and say, what happened to me? <laughs> like, how did I turn into this? Or does Russell Wilson think he's still With good? With his ego, he probably thinks he's still good. Very few of those guys don't have an ego to where they think that, you know, there's something wrong with other people as well. Cause he's been like bad. Like, not like we've talked about, like Brady and Rodgers not being as good this year, and they haven't been. But Russell Wilson's been on another level of bad. Like, if you're being honest with yourself, I don't know there's any way you can talk yourself into, oh, I'm close. I'm almost there. I just need to fix this, and I'm good to go. Like, he's been bad. And I genuinely wonder, like, does he recognize that? I don't think he lost his whole ego, though. 
in terms of uh, how bad he's been. I think he probably believes he's better than he's really been. God, he sucked. But he's been so bad. He's Poor been horrible. Broncos. You sense any give up in the locker room? Hell no, no Phil. What kind of questions that, Phil? All right, we've got important soccer news. The United States might be playing in Copa America. Tyler Adams was on NBC Sports yesterday and said, we're going to have the opportunity to play in Copa America. Copa America is the South American tournament. It's happening in uh, 2024. There are only 10 South American teams, so they invite other countries to come and play in it because it's hard to do a tournament with 10 teams. And it looks like the United States is going to be one of the teams that's invited to play in Copa America, which will be very good because, generally speaking, the United States leading up to a World Cup doesn't get to play a lot of high-level teams. We've got to schedule friendlies against European teams to do that. But in North America, we, we Mexico's decent, Canada's solid, but outside of that, none of the other teams we play are that good. If we get to play in Copa America, that's there's 10 countries there and, like, eight of them or something are all really good countries. So we would get to play really good competition and have a chance yeah. to actually go far in that tournament. Well, this is the team you say is going to win the next World Cup. That's right. And we're, we're going to so, win Copa America first. You win Copa America as well? We're going to be the champions of South America and then champions of the world. <laughs> of the That's world. That's the plan. We made it the last time they invited us. We made it to the semis, I believe. We, we It's one of the better tournament runs we've ever been on. So... Copa America, United States, the champions of South America. Is it just bracketed out or is it uh, pool play? Well, it they'll do pool play. It depends on, like, the last time they did Copa America, they didn't invite anybody. So it was just two groups of five and then the top four advanced. advanced. And then right. they did a bracket from there. So they played pool play to eliminate two total teams. <laughs> when they invite other countries, they get, you know, bigger numbers and right. they have a more normal style tournament. But it'll it'll... There'll be some sort of group play where everybody gets to play at least three games, three games or something like that, they, yeah. and then go into a bracket. Yeah, it's a good question. Also, Erling Haaland scored his 19th and 20th goals of the season yesterday for Man City. They beat Leeds 3-1. to one. Erling Haaland's 20 goals in the Premier League this year is more than nine Premier League teams. Oh, Nine teams have not scored as many as Halan. Including? That, well, it includes two notable teams. One, Chelsea, has only scored 19 goals this year. And Bill Foley's Bournemouth yeah. has not scored 20 goals in the Premier League yet. Got to pick it up, Billy. Got to pick uh, it up. Bournemouth is has lost both games they have played since Bill Foley bought the team. <sighs> not he better get over there. He better get on a plane, private plane, get over there, see what's happening. He should be over there, right? He shouldn't be here. I mean, he should be in yeah, his hockey teams in the middle of the season. You can always come back and watch them. Right. This Bournemouth might get relegated. They're, I think, three points ahead. He's got to go over there. And it's the January. Well, it's coming up soon. The January transfer window. He's got to go spend some money to keep his team <laughs> in the Premier League. Start buying players, Bill. Ballot question for sure. The Colts are bringing back their general manager, Chris Ballard. Jim Ursay said, quote, Chris Ballard will be our general manager. Uh, here's here's the, the setup here. He's been the general manager since 2017. He has brought in Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, and Matt Ryan to be the veteran stopgap quarterback. And literally none of them have worked. Why is he still the general manager? 
Well, does he make any decisions or does Ursay make all the decisions? Maybe that's anyway? a good question. That that might and be the right question. It doesn't really matter who right. the GM is. That might be the good question there. I mean, Ursay's saying Jeff Saturday's an outstanding candidate. He's beaten one team and it's the Raiders. Yeah, so here's his full quote on Saturday. Head coach is unknown until the interview process goes forward. Jeff, I believe, is an outstanding candidate. Wow. <laughs> he can't really believe well, it's it's Ursay. He can believe that. He can believe that. I listen. I would like for the scenario, and this might be giving Ursay too much credit. I would like for the scenario to be Jim Ursay knew this team wasn't going to be any good when he made the coaching change and decided instead of hiring an interim that has an actual coaching experience, they might win us too many games. Let's go get Jeff Saturday and just tank the hell out of the season. That might be giving Ursay too much credit, but that's what appears to have happened there. Get the best draft pick possible, Jim Say, Let's go start losing some games. Right now, they'd be picking fifth. By the way, had they not beaten the Raiders, they'd be picking third. You've got to be kidding me, Derek. We, uh, there's Derek. Willie Ramirez has given us an update. Foley is in London. He better be. That's the important team right now. He's trying to figure out what's going on over there. That's yeah. right. They can't win. 0 I mean, 2. Team here's not winning either, but. They got there in first place. They're not getting relegated. Uh, Tom Brady says the next time he retires, he will not come back. He said, well, I think next time I decide to retire, that's it for me. So whenever that day comes, we'll figure it out. Do you believe him? I think next time is because I don't think he's retiring anytime soon. <laughs> I think next time is probably the last. He's got to get here and get his helmet. They have to fit him for his helmet and his shoulder pads when he gets to Vegas. You mean the league, the NFL teams don't just already know Tom Brady's helmet? No, I think size? I think he's he wants a he wants a comfortable helmet. They don't he's, still have that from a few years ago before John Gruden nixed the deal <laughs> from, from the pitcher. Yeah, don't, don't they have that? He was here, right? He's talking to Mark Davis. They should have known. <laughs> what if he What if he was out here fit, like fitting helmets? Yeah, that UFC <laughs> fight that he and Mark Davis shook hands. That's at. what Mark they did like, during the day. Mark was like, "What, what kind of helmet do you wear? We'll get it figured out." <laughs> I think after uh, yesterday's. Uh, press conference he just texted McDaniels and gave him his size or he just texted McDaniels and say don't even think about bringing me to that mess <laughs> yeah who's your That's offensive line possible. I'm 45 years old I'm gonna get killed I didn't get like hitting the balls but like three other teams have reached out to Carlos Correa that's according to John Heyman those teams though are unnamed so Carlos Correa this offseason signed a long-term deal with the Giants or thought he was and then that was canceled because the Giants were worried about his ankle in a physical he then agreed to a deal with the Mets for 12 years but the Mets have still yet to sign him because they are apparently worried about his ankle and his physical if there are three teams that have con- or reached out to Correa are there three teams willing to offer him a 10-year deal or are these three teams coming in saying well you're not getting the 10-year deal, but how about we do three years for a whole bunch of money? Yeah, I thought we yeah, we, we talked about this before, like three years, $40, 50000000 million a year. I think you said it might be best if he just goes one year at a time. Well, um, I Look, it, it it's two teams now. It's medicals. I don't know if anyone's going to come in and offer him a 10- to 12-year deal after two teams are worried about it. I don't know if your doctors are going to say anything differently. So I think the odds are, and I'd like to, man, I'd like to know the unnamed teams. I'd love to know who's trying to get him. So... If it's a one-year deal for like fifty million, the, the Twins came out of nowhere last year and signed Carlos Correa. Right, that was like a who? Who did that? So if it's a one-year deal, it could legitimately be anybody except sure. the A's. The A's aren't going to do the that. The A's aren't giving. But it could much. legitimately be like the Rockies last year. Were like, ah, let's sign Chris, Chris Bryant. Bryant. What, exactly. What for? Well, we got some money to spend. So like, it could legitimately be anybody 
if it's just, hey, a one-year deal for $42 million or whatever that number would be. So I, I'd be curious to see who those three teams are, and I would be curious to see, like, if you're a team that doesn't land big-time free agents, like the Twins did last year when they got Correa, right? You're just not that attractive of a destination. Is this an opportunity for you to land sort of like, hey, he's the face of our franchise for the next decade. We'll take the risk of his ankle. Like other teams have been scared off. We would normally not have a shot at Carlos Correa, but we'll take the yeah. risk. So we'll do it. Right. We'll do we'll the 10-year we'll deal. For one, oh, the 10-year right. deal? Is there a team that would say, we'll do the 10-year deal because we're never getting this type of player in free agency normally? And you're saying it could be any team? I mean, would there be a team that doesn't normally get the free agents that's like, this is our shot to land a face of the franchise player, and we'll do the 10-year deal? I mean, I, I, I suppose conceivably there could be, but I like your... I think your idea of shorter terms makes a lot more sense given two teams have already balked on him because of the ankle now. I mean, that makes more sense for all the teams, but if you're Correa and somebody walks in and says, Here's Oh, 10 no, if years. you're Correa and someone actually wants 10 years and they're not going to look at your ankle x rays. So if I'm one of the teams and I would normally not get Carlos Correa in free agency, I might take that risk and say, Here it is. Because here's the real question How honestly, I know we're not doctors, we're not looking at the physical. It ha- the injury happened in 2014. He right. won Rookie of the yes. Year the very next We've season. We've talked about how much he's done since then. He's not had an he's had other injuries, but he's not had an ankle injury no. since then. How you signed him to a ten year contract? When do you think his ankle's giving up? Like he's going to be fine for at least five years, right? Well, I think it's I think there's more problems when he gets older than his ankle. You're Maybe right. his skills diminish. Right. I mean, I mean more so than his ankle. That's all of these contracts. When you yeah. sign all of these so guys, these guys, like, 10, 12 years, like, what's he going to be at 39? Right. Okay. He might be a DH only when he hits 37. Like, but that's like, I, to me, it's, it seems like you could very reasonably argue with yourself. Well, for the next five years, he's going to be fine. And then the final five, we might be shifting him there because something else hurts on right. him, let alone his ankle. Right. It's just, to me, I feel like there, there's an opportunity for some team to say, we'll do it. We'll do the 10-year deal. We'll take on the risk because it's a risk either way, whether or not you're... And you use, like you said, you usually don't get a chance at a player of his right. stature. So I'd be curious to see... So the Pirates are about to, to sign him. Well, the Pirates are actually <laughs> the A's, where they are like, yeah, let's not spend any money at all. Uh, except, actually, the Pirates, they signed Rich Hill to a yes. one-year deal for $8 If million. you're a lefty, it doesn't matter how old you are, man. What? Why would the Pirates sign him, though? Are they really just looking for somebody to just eat innings over the course of a season? Yeah. Like if you're the There's pirates, no other reason to sign him. He's 42 years old, and you're not going to contend. Wouldn't you rather just pitch like every minor league pitcher you have? I guess there's a 40 man roster you've got to contend with, but like, is Rich Hill really out there just every five days? Go get a six innings, and he made it 26 starts and threw 124 innings last year for Boston. <laughs> He's 42, and the Pirates are like, let's go, we'll do this. Eight Coming up next, the Gold Knights. Eh, they lost again, but at least it came in a shootout. Well, I mean, we changed the goalie, and I, I'm not a big proponent of that, but I just, something looked off, and uh, we made a call. Um, you know, the goalie, back up, the goal, you know, when you play back-to-back, we're always going to play two goalies typically, and should be the most prepared guy in the team because he didn't play the night before. So um, that's not what I saw, so we went a different direction. Um, in-game changes was putting some younger legs with, there's a lesson in there, so if, you know, for example, for some guys, if you want to play up in the lineup every night, it's, it's hard. You're playing against good teams. you got to bring energy and puck battles for anywhere from 15 to 18 minutes a night. So some guys aren't used to being up there, and uh, so it's a lot to ask. So we put some younger legs up there, give them a chance to complement our top guys. 
Um, and that was the thinking. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. And you see Yag Petrangelo saying, I wish it was 15 to 18 minutes. <laughs> Cold Knights lose to Anaheim in a shootout last night. So they got a point. They played back-to-back road games, got one point out of four. Um, all right. Let, let, let me ask you about Bruce Cassidy and playing time management, minute management, because there's a few different aspects of this. First off, the goaltending situation. He pulls Aiden Hill in the first period. Aiden Hill had allowed two goals on five shots. Logan Thompson comes in. Logan Thompson stopped all 22 shots that he faced on the second night of a back-to-back for Logan Thompson. However, he gave up two goals in the shootout, didn't make a save in the shootout. Just looking at the goalies right now, do you believe Cassie should have pulled Aiden Hill on the second night of a back-to-back? I don't think he should have, not in the middle of a season. I don't think he should have if it's a back-to-back, and he says he usually doesn't do that anyway. So I would have given Logan Thompson the rest in the middle of a season. I believe that is more important than getting the win against Anaheim or whatever. They're not playing Logan Thompson on the second night of a back-to-back. But his answer that he just gave, when he when he's talking about Aiden Hill and he's like, well, we saw something that we didn't like, and that yeah. comment about you didn't play the night before, so you should be the most prepared. What the hell did Aiden Hill do the last two days that pissed off Bruce Cassidy? Because he did something. Like, did Aiden Hill, like, not watch the scouting report or something? Like, what did Aiden Hill do the last two days? Because for him to be like, you should be the most prepared and that's not what we saw? Right. What did he do? I, I'm fascinated to know because normally I'd be like, there's no, you don't play Logan Thompson in that. Like, even if you lose to Anaheim 7 to nothing, yeah, whatever, it's December 20th right. or something. But if Aiden Hill, like, I don't know skipped a scouting report meeting or like they told him, Hey, you need to do this. And he did the exact opposite. Then I can understand why you'd say, get the hell out of here. Here comes Logan Thompson. And to take that a step further here, are we about to see Laurent Brassois? Not after last night, he gave up five in San Diego. Oh boy. Unlike 18 shots. So he's shots. not any good either. Okay. <laughs> That's not ideal. So uh, that part I'm, I'm curious to know. Like, did Bruce Cassidy just think, oh, he gave up a soft goal? Or was Bruce Cassidy pulling him because he was not prepared? He did he something he didn't do or did do leading up to that game. I mean, game. could it be as simple as they didn't like his focus? Like, how do you, I don't know. How do you gauge that? Yeah. I mean, he, he gave well, up he a gave soft up a 44-footer. But, like, like, but, like, is that you really like, oh, you're not focused because you gave yeah. up a bad goal? You'd be pulling goalies all the time if they yeah. just because they gave up a bad goal. I, I don't know. I I'm curious to know that part of it but generally speaking you probably shouldn't play your goalie on back-to-backs until you're in the final stretch of the season right. and like oh we have to and win you have game. to because you gotta right you're fighting for position even then you can make the argument to play your backup because they're generally still better than the starter when they have to play back-to-back nights the other part of that question and we've talked about this before Alex Petrangelo played 34 minutes last night after the night before 29 27. 27 so Petrangelo has played 61 minutes over the last two nights and I don't get that. four forwards played at least 22 minutes last night Stone Carlson Smith and Steve I mean I know they're shorthanded with seven regulars out but you're just I mean I'm sure Petrangelo wouldn't say this out loud but aren't you just killing these guys in December 
That's 30-something minutes after playing 26-27 the night before? It's late December, and Bruce Cassidy is wearing these guys out. And it's not... It's been the story the whole year. It's not like this is just suddenly, oh, we're now playing these guys more minutes. We've been talking about the third line being benched for pretty much the entire season, right? They don't play the third line well, when they're healthy, what the third line is. They don't play the third line in close games late because it's just a three-line team right. in that point. And sometimes it becomes a two-line team. Um, they're not healthy now, so they don't have their normal lines. Uh, they're certainly low on the high-end talent that they thought they were going to have for most of the season. But it just it doesn't feel like the right approach for an 82-game regular season. Right. It feels like the right approach for a playoff game, right? If we get to the playoffs and Alex Petrangelo is playing 34 minutes, I there, there shouldn't be a complaint about it. But in December, uh, you probably shouldn't be playing yeah. 34 minutes on a back-to-back. On a back-to-back after he played 26. So that that part of it's bizarre. And here's, like, we've talked a lot about Cassidy doing it, and I don't think Cassidy's approaching it the exact right way because I would be playing the other guys more just even if they suck. But part of the issue is that's the roster he has because of the salary cap situation. The Golden Knights do not have depth. They like the whole Phil Kessel conversation. He's been in the lineup because they don't have. No, they don't have anyone. Players. They don't have anyone behind him that you would right. make that strong argument of they should play before him. So what Cassidy's dealing with right now is he's like as the coach, he's probably looking at it and saying. Um, Michael Amadio and and Ben Hutton and uh, whatever, whether it's defensemen or, or forwards or wingers, whatever, he's looking at it, He's probably saying, these guys aren't good enough to play 20 minutes. These guys aren't good enough to be out there for more than a couple shifts a period. Like, I can't, like, I can't reward these guys. And that ultimately goes to the front office. Like, that's ultimately the roster the Golden Knights built is that if they deal with a chunk of injuries, they're just, they got nothing. And the coach is sitting there saying, I got, I can't put these guys on the ice. So, I think Cassidy deserves a bit of blame for this, but it also goes a lot to the front office has a lot to do with the roster that was compiled. And now that they're dealing with injuries again, uh, they don't really have the guys. Here we go to put again, out seven guys out last night. Yeah. Seven regular. Cause Marshall did not come back despite skating, despite being on the right and skating. So I, you assume he's coming back soon, but after that, are they getting anybody else back anytime right. soon? Like Eichel might be a while white cloud, Theodore, White Cloud, um, I think, is a long yeah. while. Is Martinez back soon? We don't really have an update on him either. So it's it's an interesting point where they're in first place, but there's certainly some significant concerns about what this team is going to look like, and it doesn't help that last year's team was in first place and then missed the playoffs right. entirely. Coming up next, Darren Millard joins the show. Now they've got another shorthanded rush. Stone is in, stops, he scores! The seventh shorthanded goal for the Knights this year, leading the lead. The second one for Mark Stone. The Knights now trail the Ducks 2-1 with 6.45 to go first period. To the left wall, Ben Hutton steps down toward the left goal line. Cuts toward the middle, he shoots, kick save, rebound, rattles around in front, they score! Phil Kessel right where he needed to be. Let's see who gets credit. Nick Watt reluctant to accept credit, and it's going to be Ben Hutton now. Moose, you just keep on moosing. This doesn't concern you. Maroon is not just a color. This is the VGK Update with Darren Milsey Millard. Darren. Hi, Darren. Ed. How are you, buddy? Hi, Tyler. 
Hey, actually, got, he actually said hello to me. That's a you got some recognition. I got I got to change that by the end of this ten minute segment here. I'm sure it will. Uh, all right, Darren. Yeah, I have no doubt about that either. Uh, help us out here, um, breaking down some coach speak uh, after the game. Bruce Cassidy, when asked about uh, pulling Aiden Hill, there he said uh, he just said something vague in terms of we didn't like what we saw, but he also threw in there. The, the goalie playing on the second night of a back-to-back should be the most prepared because he didn't have to play the night before. Yeah. What does that mean? Is there something Aiden Hill didn't do in the 48 hours leading up to the game last night that Bruce Cassidy no. wasn't happy about? No, it means you, you should be the freshest guy because you didn't play. Uh, so you're ready to go. That, that, that's all that is. It's uh, uh, pretty uh, uh, standard, pretty obvious in the sense that uh, that's why you always play uh, – your your other goaltender, whether uh, uh, it's your starter or your backup, because sometimes you will save your your starter for the second game if it's a more important game, if it's a divisional game or uh, a, a game that uh, impacts the standings a little bit more. But uh, but the the goaltender that's going in is usually the one player that uh, that didn't play the night before and is fresher, and then that's that's all there was. There wasn't any. Uh, hidden meaning or, or uh, any type of uh, subliminal uh, uh, message in that. It was just uh, they, they're, they're supposed to be fresh and, and give you a chance, and that's that's why you play uh, two goaltenders on, on, a, on a back-to-back scenario. Would you pull, pull them on the 28th of December? Uh, would I have pulled them last night? Yeah. Yeah, uh, when you allow two goals early like that, and the second one is uh, is the longer of the shots, then uh, yeah, I, I don't have an issue with that. Uh, he's gone a long time without changing goaltenders. Uh, doesn't like to do it, but uh, but given that the first uh, goal was a sharp angle shot that got through and uh, into the other side, and the second one being clean, it, it didn't go off uh, anybody, and uh, didn't go off. He didn't get a piece of it. Uh, I, I have no issue with that with that goalie change last night. Um, uh, that it, it, that one wasn't a we're going to change for momentum purposes and then change things up. That was a uh, if we're going to win this game, uh, I think I've got to make a goalie change. Um, doesn't that kind of set up the idea here that they're, he's going to need to change his goalie every time they give up a soft goal? No, no, I don't think uh, uh, that's uh, the situation at all. Uh, it's more there was two goals that he didn't like. Uh, the first one was one where uh, he loves the goaltenders to be able to handle and the defense to give the goaltender because it's a, a less of a danger shot, like a good player from in close, but if you handle that cleanly, it doesn't get to the other side. Uh, so if you're, if you're on your game, uh, it never gets to the, to the blocker side of the net. And the, the second one, uh, even though it was a turnover at, at neutral ice and, and it was a heck of a slap shot from, from the top of the circles, uh, most guys are able to handle that, uh, relatively cleanly and, uh, and he didn't get a piece of it. And, uh, they were down to nothing 12 minutes in. So uh, I don't uh, I don't think that that's the case where he's going to pull uh, or make a change, and we've certainly seen that this year where he where he's gone away from uh, making changes. There's been certainly uh, several instances where uh, the coach could have uh, swapped goaltenders and didn't. So uh, this was a, a uh, I guess you might call it a more extreme uh, situation compared to uh, to other uh, games, and you you're down to nothing. You're playing okay, 
and you've given up. You haven't really given up a scoring chance by their point of view, and uh, and you're behind it. Uh, you you got to do something uh, to try and change things, and the rest of the team's going good, so change the goaltender. A uh, lot of lot of regulars out. We understand that, so minutes yeah. are going to increase for some guys. But want to ask you about a guy whose minutes increases no matter who's in the who's in the game, and that's Petrangelo. Um, Sixty-one minutes over the last two nights. Concern for you on him again? I'll go back to December twenty-eighth, and he plays this many minutes a night, no matter who's in there. Well, I think the uh, the comment from Bruce Cassidy was telling last night that uh, that Alex had missed. Uh, a long stretch of games, but was still working out and and uh, and getting on the ice during uh, the time that he was uh, taking care of Evelyn. And so the uh, the idea that he was still fit, but was fresh because he wasn't playing the games, they could lean on him on, on this spark. Uh, and you had the three day Christmas break in there and the back to back scenario. Uh, I think it was just more of a uh, emptying the tank. Now you're right, Ed, and and good on you because he has averaged over 28 minutes in in the last four games, uh, four of the five since he's been back. Uh, so so they've they've really gone uh, gone all in on Petrangelo, and last night played the most minutes uh, I believe of uh, his regular season career. So uh, they they were were really uh, relying on on Alex Petrangelo and and. When you're down three of your your six defensemen and you're chasing the game like they were uh, last night, and then it got elevated uh, because of the overtime because he played most of the overtime. Uh, not that's uh, that's any excuse. Those are minutes, uh, and uh, those those are key minutes, especially uh, when you when you're killing a penalty. But uh, given that they came off three days and they're going into two days, and you had the the nineties where he didn't or nine games where he didn't play. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't have an, uh, a big issue with it. Uh, Bruce Cassidy. The other interesting thing he said it last night was talking about younger players and having to go out and compete and win puck battles for 15 to 18 yeah. minutes a night. wasn't obviously happy with the way some guys played, and it led to four forwards: Stone, Stevenson, Carlson, and Smith all playing. I think over 22 minutes last night. With all the injuries they have. Is there a right answer for what the line combination should be right now, or is it kind of a it'll be different every night because these aren't the regular top six guys that are used to playing that role in the NHL? Yeah, you're probably going to be uh, a person that's going to have to uh, pay attention to to what those line combinations are if you're if you're somebody that uh, that likes to track that kind of thing because it, it was different. We saw uh, all kinds of uh, variations last night and uh, some had to do with responses to penalties early on uh, some had to do with play early on uh, and some had to do with uh, chasing the game and there's a lot of power plays and, and penalties in this game uh, 10 total which always show, shuffles up your rotation coming out of uh, a man advantage uh, by either team uh, so you're going to see some different looks. So it was it was a really unique game. Like you, you had your combinations, you had your Carlson and Smith and Stevenson and Stone, uh, and and your uh, Carrier, uh, Watt and Colasar line that was uh, pretty consistent. But the rest of it was uh, was all over the place, and uh, some of that was chasing the game as well. But uh, you you might be uh, more. Uh, prepared to see uh, a winger, different winger on, on a couple of different lines 
uh, going forward. Now, I, I'm hopeful that they're going to get some guys back here. It sounds it sounds like the the, the forwards are a little bit closer. Uh, can can they can they add a couple of people? There's two days between the next game, uh, and and that uh, that is is my optimistic feeling. I don't know anything uh, per se, but uh, but I, that's on the front end at least. Uh, I'm hopeful that uh, that maybe they can they can add somebody that's going to uh, be able to get back to more consistency. You worried about Jack Eichel? Uh, no, uh, because uh, they, it, it just the, the nature of of when he was injured and then suffering the setback uh, leads to that lower body injury where uh, you you strain something or pull something and uh, and then you have to get some rehab to come back. Uh, it, it wasn't uh, one of those. Um, like uh, upper body uh, concussion type uh, things, or 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 uh, knee or something to that effect. Uh, I think this Jack. I just thought they were going to be extra cautious when he came back and then left the lineup again. Uh, Ed, uh, I thought they were going to be super extra cautious through Christmas, and uh, and I wasn't sure that we would see him until uh, the Colorado game in in uh, 2023. He, he could return uh, for Nashville on uh, on New Year's Eve. Uh, day, but uh, I, I thought, geez, they're going to be extra, extra careful with them this time around, and uh, so, so this one, uh, this one has caused uh, an over amount of concern. You were on the road. Did you have a roommate? I was. Did you have a roommate on this trip? No. Do you think anybody wants a room with me? I mean, sometimes you don't have a choice. Come on, Darren Millard gets his own room. Look at you. No, uh, I'm. I would say that this is more about others not wanting to be with me than me being a big <laughs> wheel. Let, let let me put it that way. Is, and, are you and, saying and there's like a draft of roommates? Up, right? Are they paired up? Oh, no, you, you no, are the you are the extra their, tag along. Yeah, exactly. Everybody gets their own room. Oh, uh, wow. it's, uh, it was it was fun. Uh, it was fun being with the group. Uh, it's uh, the the. The well, Ed, you travel a lot. Uh, you develop uh, your own little uh, team when you're on a road, yeah. and then there's no different uh, with with the broadcast crew and the uh, and the producers and the and the directors and and everybody in the truck. Uh, you become a a, re, a real team. So it was nice to be included in that uh, for for a change. But it was uh, I give Dave and Shane all the credit in the world because we had to shuffle in and out of their booth. Because we didn't have an on-site location, because this came up at the last minute, um, uh, they were very gracious in allowing us to uh, intrude on their area. You, Gary Lawless, and uh, Dave and Shane, who's most likely yelling at the other ones to get out of their way? Uh, Dave. Okay, let's go. <laughs> get out of the way, Darren. Well, it's it's Dave's booth, so if they were using my area, it would be me. Uh, Gary's just Gary's like uh, my dog. He's just in the way all the time, and and Shane doesn't say <laughs> anything. But you, know, but you know he's not happy. So, but it's Dave and I that are doing the yelling in whoever's area uh, that we happen to be in, and we were definitely in Dave's area. But he was awesome. He was he was great. Uh, I appreciate it. All right, Darren. We enjoyed it talking to you. Thank you, buddy. Um, have a good. I guess you got, New a, Year. you got a noon game to cover, but have a have a good uh, end yeah. of the year, Darren. 11.30 a.m. pregame show. I've only done that a few times uh, in my career, and uh, a couple of them have been in Vegas. It's, it's really different. Thanks, Darren. Talk Happy to you next Year, week. Okay. See you. Bye. Uh, so there's Darren Millard.
VGK Insider Show here on Fox Sports Las Vegas, and obviously pre-post and intermission on AT&T Sportsnet. Coming up next, we'll get into some NBA because Zion Williamson, he's really good. This sports update is brought to you by the East-West Shrine Bowl football game. Come check out the East-West Shrine Bowl football game on February 2nd at Allegiant Stadium. Go to ShrineBowl.com for more info. Zion, sizing up Anthony Edwards, top of the key. Now drives on Gobert, lefty finger roll layup over the front iron, and the square it in, and Zion's got 40. He has just set his career high. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Zion Williamson last night, he had a dunk on Rudy Gobert that was great. I think he scored 13 straight Pelican points at one point in the fourth quarter. He ended up with 43. He shot 14 of 21 from the floor and 14 of 19 from the free throw line. It's one of the most efficient 40-point games we've probably ever seen. Uh, But the most amazing stat to me is that Zion Williamson, in a game in which he scored 43, Took two shots from outside of the <laughs> restricted area. He could have been playing from San Jose State last night. Could have been. Not not the paint. The restricted area. area. The semicircle right. under the hoop. He only took two shots outside of that. One was a three that he made, and one was a mid-range shot that was still in the paint, by the way. But two shots outside of the restricted area. And he goes for 43. It's unbelievable how good that is. Um you, uh, do you, go ahead. Go After ahead. the game, D'Angelo Russell of the Timberwolves basically said that Zion Williamson's playing football and they don't get to touch him. Meanwhile, he gets to run over oh, everybody. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> With the reasons. <laughs> but the thing is, and I don't have any numbers for this, but I'm pretty sure I don't think Zion Williamson's like at the top of the leaderboards and free throw attempts. Like this isn't. Joel Embiid, this isn't Giannis, this isn't even like James Harden from when he was the primary guy in Houston. Like, right. it's not like he's the league leader in free, in free throws, throw attempts, right? right? But he is the league leader in drives to the basket. He's number one in the league in terms of the just amount of times he's driving to the rim. He does that more than anybody. Like, he should probably be getting more free throws, honestly. So, I am, God, I'm so fascinated to see if this works with the Pelicans because they're. They're pretty good. And Zion, like you have games like that where you're just, I'm driving to the rim every time I touch the ball and I'm either getting a layup or you're fouling me is I don't, it, it's fascinating to see somebody that can possibly do that at will. Cause that's the hardest thing to do in the NBA is just drive to the rim and get a layup. And he he's doing it a lot. Do you put, uh, do you follow it all uh, late December MVP trackers? Yeah, would you put him? Probably. Would you put him among those? Um, yeah, he should, uh, maybe be. Heard in the one conversation. the other day uh, that um, Luca and, and uh, Nokic are, are again leading. Yeah, it's he's probably not going to actually win it or even really be that close. But you can probably throw his name in there and say, "Hey, there's, there's a shot here. There's an outside shot." If I mean, he does that a few more times, right, exactly. and the Pelicans finish. Second in the West, West, then yeah, you might have to have a serious conversation. In terms of free throws per game, he only averages 8.2. There are currently four players who average 10 or more. Yeah. So So. he's not even close. I mean, he does take a lot of free throws, but he's not top of the league guy. So it's just weird for D'Angelo Russell to to be like. And now, granted, he shot 19 against the T-Wolves. Yeah, and he said it after that game. Right. So it's not like he's saying it after he took six. So 
sure, but it is it's not like it's something that Zion Williamson gets every single night is somebody uh, or getting 19 free throw attempts. By the way, that reminds me, mid-sentence, I lost my train of thought. There was a Festivus call uh, specifically about me mispronouncing Zion Williamson's name because it's not Zion, it's Zion. Like, I give a lot more emphasis on that last on the syllable. Uh. Right. But I love that there's... Because we don't... How often do we talk about the Pelicans? Once a month? Once a month. Like, we, we do talk Zion. about... I, I am fascinated with Zion, so we right. bring him up quite a bit. But it's still, like, Not once a, lot. a month? Not a lot. I've never heard it pronounced Zion. It is, it is pronounced Zion. I went and looked it up, and there's lots of people on the internet. Well, we've messed up your name since we've known you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> still to this day, I would say probably four people in this building know my last Daniel? name. Daniel? Smythe. Smythe. Yes. Smythe. But I, hey, look, two more. I, you enlightened me like two weeks ago. Uh, but I just loved so much that there was somebody out there who the once a month that we talk about the Pelicans is like, is that how you say Tyler Zion doesn't know Zion. how to pronounce his name. It's great. And called it's in fantastic. and left. He, he, it was actually a voicemail left before Festivus. That's great. So he, he took the time out to leave a voicemail, right. which hey. most people don't do even about important stuff. Right. No, but that guy's important because he's obviously listening closely. He he's is. obviously listening daily because we don't talk about him that much. And I'm, I'm. It's going to take a lot for me to correct. I didn't even think about it until mid sentence. I said Zion. I was like, wait a minute, somebody yelled at me for that. So, Zion Williamson uh, is very good, and I, I'd like to see where this uh, ends up for the Pelicans because it's still, it does like in all honesty, you don't think the Pelicans are going to win the NBA title, right? No, I don't like think they don't, I don't f- think they would beat someone like Boston. They don't feel like an NBA. I don't even know if they'll get out of the West. Right. They don't feel like an NBA title no. contender, but they're having a good season. Yeah. First and, place in the West with Denver. And we saw Milwaukee win the title with Giannis in a very similar type of, hey, this guy just drives to the rim right. set up. Like, I, it could happen, but I, I'm in that same category where I'm like, they're not going to, like the Pelicans, they're not going to win the title, but... I know a lot of people would be like, yeah, that's not great for ratings or whatever. It's not the most interesting team. I'd be all on board watching the Pelicans make a run to the finals. Be Way on more board than that watching Zion. Zion. Well, then we might learn how to say his name. Zion.